Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for being with me today. It is a beautiful day here in the Twin Cities, and I am uh, so glad that we're seeing sunshine and blue sky, and I think it's helping us all feel just a tiny bit better. And I know there's a lot of activities and festivities going on uh, as early as tomorrow. I know my friend Jeff has got a big wedding. He's he's the uh, father of the bride tomorrow. That'll be exciting. And it was... uh, 1953, um, that Clarence and Marilyn were married on this tomorrow, June 6th. So happy anniversary. And of all the people with great activities and uh, festivities, I know there's a lot of people missing graduations and important events, but I just know that we are thinking about you and praying for you and and praying that whatever you might be missing, uh, God will meet your need and I think of First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So I hope you feel encouraged and built up. And it's always good to hear some good, positive, and encouraging news. And I know my first guest will help me do that. So I'd like to bring on my uh, first guest this hour, uh, Dr. Tim Walsh. He is vice president over at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge Tim, welcome to the show. It's been kind of a crazy week, hasn't it? We we did, Bill. I, I don't know if you want me to just start at the beginning here. And, yes, and I do. Yes, I oh, do. Oh my, yeah. It's 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 actually surreal. This is, uh, uh, as you know, this was historic. This this last week and this uh, the events of the last week set yeah. off Let, uh, worldwide. Set, yeah, let's set the stage though. Uh, you um, uh, your proximity to where all the activity took place. Right. We, so we have we have the Harriet Tubman building that we just purchased uh, and that we are occupying as of June the 1st. And that's immediately across from the 5th Precinct. And that would have been the facility that has been the focus of international news as of uh, Thursday. Okay. Um, and uh, and then right, at, right down from there, not just 50 paces from the 5th Precinct, where you saw the massive demonstrations, protests, uh, is our staff housing. These are people that work at our facilities. And then about 100-plus paces uh, from the 5th Precinct, as you go, head south, is our Stevens-Hudson building and our the, the Sherber Activity Center. So we, we own a lot of that entire block that's immediately adjacent to the 5th Precinct. All right. So... You've uh, you are really in the thick of it, so I would assume that you'd be uh, open to a lot of uh, destruction, vandalism, fire, any number of activities that could go on in any of your properties along that block adjacent to the fifth yeah. precinct. You, you you would assume that uh, in the natural. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd assume that in the natural because that's what happened. Uh, on Wednesday, we didn't know this all together at that time, but there had been over a billion dollars of damage just in property on Wednesday, but that was not reflected in the news. And so when we got 
to work on Thursday, uh, we started getting a few indications that it was worse than that. So I did a situational assessment in the neighborhood, went right to the 5th Precinct, started looking around the neighborhood, and Bill, it was a war zone. Mm. Um, and I checked in with a commanding officer there at the 5th Precinct and uh, and the police uh, that were in the, in the uh, parking lot getting ready for the siege that night. And they said that all the businesses in the area had been broken into, looted, and, of course, a number were set on fire, but that was not fully reflected on the news. And I said, all of the businesses along Lake Street, and they said all of them. And so so then that set us into high gear at Minnesota Dalton Team Challenge, then preparing for emergency, preparing for a possible evacuation that night of our facilities uh, and and trying to keep our staff and our clients safe. Okay, now, Tim, when you say uh, we went into high gear, at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, I would think that would mean everyone got on their knees. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> right. We, we, that's true. That's true. We started praying uh, first, and we had, uh, Bill, we had thousands upon thousands of people praying for us. Uh, but that is, that is the highest gear is getting into, in, into prayer mode. You're exactly, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, do, we, did a lot, we did a lot of praying. But, no, getting our emergency procedures in place, getting the vans in place, because we thought that the vans might be targeted that night by the, uh, the rioters. Um, by the way, when I say rioters, I'm making it uh, rioters. I'm making a distinction from the demonstrators because right. there is a distinction. Mm-hmm. So, um, and getting emergency procedures in place, getting an evacuation plan in place, getting the evacuation plan approved by the police of uh, how to get out of the neighborhood if uh, indeed uh, the, the riot took place that night. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. And we had to shut down any uh, venturing outside of the facility. Uh, and we were gassed and ready to go uh, that evening. All right. So, Tim, how many uh, residents are participating right now in, in um, our at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge? Well, across the state, Bill, as you know, we have uh, 12 facilities, and we have about uh, 800 clients uh, either in our residential, that's most of them, okay. and then we have about 150 in our outpatient. But at the site we're talking about, uh, we have uh, approximately, uh, as of today, 130 clients, and that does not include, of course, the staff that are also in these buildings. Oh, okay. So uh, I'd be real curious, Tim, as to what, what, the, uh, what the high gear looks like, what was said and done, and, and how God protected um, your property and everyone that's in the buildings. Yeah, so we started watching the, the news uh, that night. Um, and actually, as of even 10 p.m. that night when the rioting was taking place, uh, there was just uh, maybe 100 demonstrators, not rioters yet. And then all of a sudden, uh, as has happened elsewhere, hundreds and hundreds of not just demonstrators, but uh, rioters, arsonists, uh, looters uh, showed up on site. And uh, as we were looking at the scene, my wife and I, uh, uh, I actually got on the road immediately uh, to go to our evacuation site, which is our leadership institute on Chicago. Uh, as I'm heading towards there, my wife gives me a call and says, if you don't get them out right now, uh, they're not going to get out of that neighborhood. And so then I got a hold of our president, Eric Vogley, uh, got the go-ahead to evacuate the site. Uh, we had our vans ready. We gave the go. Uh, we actually had to take uh, two trips uh, to get over to Chicago. Uh, as I'm heading towards the site on, on Chicago, I had to swerve around center blocks that were in this street from a pawn shop that had been utterly destroyed by fire. I was within 20 feet of that. Uh, I had to get the back way into our Leadership Institute. 
Uh, we had to protect the ramp because uh, we went through the dock entrance to get uh, all of our, our clients to safety. Uh, we then occupied the sixth and the fourth floor there, uh, getting the, our long term up on the sixth floor, and then uh, and then our short term on the fourth floor. As that happened, out of nowhere, 200 uh, we'll call them demonstrators, but put that in quotes. Uh, started uh, proceeding down Chicago right past that facility uh, as well. Of course, there's sirens going on. There's smell of acrid smoke in the area uh, while this is occurring, and we safely got them uh, placed that night. So that was the first night of the siege. All right, uh, Tim, this sounds like complete chaos, not to mention you've got to uh, get a bunch of men and women into a safe location amidst all this chaos. So... Uh, I'm thinking if God isn't involved in this, uh, this isn't going to happen. So I should I should back up one step, Bill, because this is this this became the absolute pivotal uh, the 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 covering and the protection uh, that day in preparation for what we thought might be a siege that night. Uh, we our women's program uh, created signs to put all around our facilities that day, and they said things like prayers for George, prayers for justice, prayers for peace. Uh, we live here. Uh, women and children at the Harriet Tubman facility live here. Uh, and they, they, they covered our buildings with those signs. They prayed over every single one of those signs. They did a prayer walk around uh, asking wow. for the covering and protection of the blood of Christ uh, over all of our buildings. And as they, as they walked around, then, of course, my, you know, my, my wife and my daughter, they also brought signs uh, to, the, to the site, and we got our long-term men then writing these signs, putting them all, all over the place, uh, writing on the windows to tell people uh, uh, those messages, sending out the message of what I believe Christ was sending to us that day. And that night uh, on international uh, TV, uh, they were noticing that not only was uh, no one attacking our buildings, but no one was even putting trash. Our buildings were utterly unaffected by the the events of Friday and Saturday night. Uh, not one piece of damage, uh, not any trash whatsoever in any of our properties uh, occurred uh, that that day. We were we were totally protected. God's provision was was in place and has been with us uh, ever since then, Bill. It was a miracle. It was actually recognized by international TV that we were being left alone, and they wondered about all the signs up. (laughs) They wondered what was happening there. And even the police department at the 5th Precinct, because they were like Fort Apache, the Bronx, uh, they were totally under siege uh, that that night. They couldn't even venture out outside of the triple uh, wire. They had barbed wire. They had a fence. They had another fence erected. They had barriers all around the 5th Precinct. The police could not venture out, and it wasn't until late Friday uh, after uh, night that the National Guard was able to show up. So those thousands of uh, rioters, looters, arsonists, anarchists, I would call them, uh, in addition to the demonstrators, uh, those folks were uh, raging through the whole uh, neighborhood. And our buildings were utterly unaffected. Mm. I wished I had a pair of like angel glasses so I could put them on, and uh-huh. then I would be aware that there were, uh, f- you know, two legions of angels standing around all of the property exactly. of Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge. The exactly. fact that there's no garbage, there's no destruction, there's no vandalism, there's nothing. no broken windows, there's no nothing burned. Uh, that's, that's a right. truly uh, powerful story, Tim. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Bill, it just continued. 
that continued. God's presence uh, uh, just continued into Saturday. Uh, our clients were deep in prayer. We had to evacuate again Saturday night because we didn't know what was going to happen uh, again, you know, because at that point, uh, uh, it appears uh, from our vantage point that, that we were not going to get any response, that we were on our own. So on Saturday night, we were on our own. We'll just say it that way, Bill, uh, on, on Saturday night. And uh, it was just, uh, it was just a, a, amazing. Um, our short-term and long-term clients were just, uh, they were, uh, we had a few people, of course, anxious, and they were worried about them, their, you know, what was going to happen and so on. But that day, on Saturday day, <laughs> you're not going to believe this, Bill, we, we had to, of course, give the clients a sense of what was going on, and we got a prompting, we need to take them out there, believe it or not. So we walked during the day. And when we got out there, there were hundreds and thousands uh, of volunteers picking up the area on Saturday day, including many uh, of the family members of uh, Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge. Our staff were out there volunteering, picking up the entire neighborhood, cleaning up everything, putting things into piles. So it was just beautiful. But our clients walked through and saw the utter devastation. And it was so beautiful to watch them, Bill. They went up to the firefighters and they thanked them. They went up to the police officers and they thanked them. They went up to uh, all the volunteer workers and they thanked them. They handed out some uh, garbage bags for people to pick up. They helped elderly around barriers to get across to where they needed to go. It was just beautiful to see the spirit in all of our, our clients as they moved through the entire neighborhood ministering to people. I'm so proud of them mm-hmm. uh, that they were able to do that. Well, let me take a little break. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest, uh, Vice President at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and his uh, all the property that Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge has is just around the corner from the 5th Precinct in Minneapolis, which is uh, one of the epicenters of, of uh, protest and demonstration and chaos. So when I come back, I want to ask uh, Tim about uh, just the call to action for the church in the neighborhoods, and what the clients at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge experienced as a result of this, uh, this time this week. We'll uh, be right back. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Dr. Tim Walsh. Uh, as my guest is also my friend. I'm very glad about that as well. He's vice president at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge and a uh, crazy week here in Minneapolis. And I'm curious, Tim, as to what the clients experienced. What, How has it moved their needle in terms of their recovery and their faith? Yeah, of course they saw just the powerful presence of God and his protection. And, and in fact, Bill, what it was inspiring them to do is when we were going to have to move on on Saturday night, they said, why? Why God has put a hedge of protection <laughs> on our facilities. Uh, we're supposed to stay here. Yeah. And, and then I gave I gave a sermon on Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. so, Send that uh, one over to me. Listen, that, yeah, I want to see that one. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we, we prayed to him. But you can understand that spirit because actually I was thinking the same thing. We should be standing guard, right, and standing guard over the neighborhood. But uh, but no, it was no place for us to be standing guard because uh, that that very night there was, as you know, bullets flying, yeah. and that's when they uh, that's when the police, the National Guard, uh, the Sheriff's Departments uh, retook the streets, and uh, and it was not it was not a safe place to be. So we made the right call to move out on Saturday. But the, our clients have seen uh, God's presence. I, what I've said to some people is God's presence would not be more evident 
if he were to put a uh, fiery bush, right. <laughs> present himself in a fiery bush that does not get consumed uh, right in the middle of Hudson Stevens, God's presence has been so evident. And so I think it, not everyone, by the way, but almost all of our clients have been moved to the next level in their spiritual maturity and development. Uh, and prayer wars, they were usually the ones saying, Tim, can you pray for us? You know, that was that's where they're mature. And they're the ones that calmed each other. They're the ones that uh, rounded each other up when we we're going through the community. Uh, they were doing all that uh, and, 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 and just keeping the calm and keeping the peace the entire time. So I am, I'm very impressed. Uh, I'm very impressed with how yeah. the Spirit of God moved in our clients. Well, Tim, it sounds so much like the clients got a, a, a bigger glimpse of God's glory. And once you get a they glimpse did. of that, you can't get enough of it. No, that's right. That's right. And you can never go back. No, you, you can never go back. Go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so what about, um, what, what call to action would churches take? Right. Uh, so what's going on uh, right now, um, and, and, and we're in the early phases of this, but uh, we had, of course, thousands of, uh, of young people, mostly, that showed up in the neighborhoods. A lot of those were from churches uh, that cleaned everything up, and that's, that's a beautiful response. Uh, I want to affirm that, that that was a beautiful response to come into this war zone and to do that. Uh, but now people are struggling with, what do you do next? Because uh, in the one mile surrounding our Hudson Stevens facility in the Lindale neighborhood around Lake Street, you have people who have lost everything. It's, it's devastation of their, uh, of their businesses, of their livelihoods, of their jobs. Uh, and and it's not, they don't have the resources. They don't have insurance, a lot of them. And so they are utterly devastated. And so, in fact, some people are predicting that this uh, area is not going to rebound for 10 years, if ever. Uh, it's going to look like a, some of the hollowed-out areas of Detroit. Now, I don't believe that, by the way, because the church is starting to mobilize. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, at, if we have time, Bill, I was at the memorial service uh, uh, yesterday for George Floyd, which is beautiful and an honor to be there. But I was there with Pastor Mike Smith from Redeeming Love. I was there with Pastor Greg Boyd uh, from Woodland Hills. I was there with Pastor Terry Francis from Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge, and we were able to be able to stand with our black brothers and sisters and uh, for justice, for peace, uh, for the gospel. Uh, Twenty times we stood. Uh, which I think uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. And and they, those pastors, started immediately talking about how to rally uh, the churches, uh, both in this area and then outside this area. And, and so the key is going to be to get the churches that want to help outside of this area to work with the churches inside this area and the Christian ministries. And so that's what we, we would like to start seeing. And, and of course, Minnesota Development Challenge is willing to do our part to help convene that uh, and, and to get that going. But already there are some of the larger churches in the areas that uh, are posting online uh, how to help. Um, so that's, 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 I think, you know, if you can just keep in touch with your, your ministry team at your church, your ministry team is trying to connect now with the inner city ministries and the inner city churches uh, right now to find out what the need is. So you can just check with your ministry team. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Tim, if you've had uh, many opportunities to talk to clients at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, because much like George Floyd, he did struggle with addiction, and he did have a criminal record. He did. Uh, he did. I, I was wondering what the, some of the reaction might have been from the clients at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge about their you brother know, in they, Christ who was struggling. Yeah, they really identify that with him, as you as you can imagine. Of course, we want to be clear that the uh, that the the report said that uh, he died of homicide, and so we don't want to distract from that at all. Right. But they also know our clients are quite clear 
uh, that, that George was somebody that was struggling, but there was a beautiful piece in Christianity Today, if, if your listeners want to look it up about George. This is a man who believed in Christ. This is a man who used to do uh, write music and rap and so on and, and, and serve his community as a Christian. And it brought tears to my eyes. Actually, I sobbed after re- reading the Christianity Today. So our clients, more than anyone, can understand that people struggle with addiction. They struggle with the recovery. They slip. Uh, during those times, but uh, even in all of that, uh, it's a complex picture, but even in all that, this person was uh, an inspiration to others and was a Christian, uh, and he is a Christian brother, and now I think Christ is using this situation uh, to call for a worldwide movement uh, for both justice, and also I think the church is going to be able to stand up in this, in, this, in this time as a result. So God is using, God is using that complexity. I mean, I'm a sinner too. I don't know about you, Bill, but I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he uses me, and he, he not only uses me in spite of my flaws, he uses my flaws. He redeems all things. The Lord redeems all things, and he's redeemed all things in me uh, to use them for his purposes. And, and I think that's what God even did with George Floyd, is using, even with those flaws that you talked about, God has used all of that for his purposes in this situation and will do so. Yeah. It's on the application when you come to work at Faith Radio. Are you a sinner? Check this box. And of course, I checked the box. (laughs) I had no problem doing that. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, it's a powerful story of protection. And I'm I'm so blessed to hear that the people uh, at Teen Challenge said, we're going to pray. We're going to put up posters. We're going to, you know, practically anoint this property with yeah, that's right. prayer. And uh, so speaking of prayer, I would love for you to close out our time together in a word of prayer. I will do it. We'll do. We'll do. Um, Lord God, first of all, we know that vengeance is yours. You will repay. And we put that in your hands and we don't want that in our hearts at all. Lord God, you've said that you reveal the deep things of darkness and you bring the utter darkness uh, into the light. And Lord God, we want that in this situation. You did that, Lord. You brought things to light. Lord God, you said that when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers, Lord God, and we pray that. Lord God, you said, let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream, Lord God, and that's what we pray for. Lord God, you said the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern, Lord God. We give that up to you. And Lord God, when you asked you, Jesus... When will God bring about justice for his chosen one who cry out to him day and night? You said, Lord, that we will see justice and we'll get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Lord God, you, you said, he's shown us, O mortals, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Dr. Tim Walsh has been my guest, Vice President at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. Tim, thanks so much for doing the show, and have a nice weekend. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Yep, we'll take a short break, and we'll be uh, right back with lots more.
Welcome back to the show. Greg Gilbert's my guest. He's the senior pastor of Third Avenue Baptist in Louisville, Kentucky. I hope I said that right. I know there's different ways to say it, but Greg, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be with you. You almost got the, the name of my city right. Yeah, say it for You're me. really close. Say it for me. Louisville. 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 It's like two and a half syllables. Okay. Louisville. <laughs> All right. And you also uh, are a regular contributor on the Gospel Coalition. You've written several books. Uh, the one I want to talk about today, when we get to it, is called Assured, Discover Grace, Let Go of Guilt, and Rest in Your Salvation. But I want to talk about uh, the gospel. What is the gospel? I know that we are all asked that question in our Christian walk, and people say, well, what is the gospel? What would be your three-minute answer? Yeah, the gospel is uh, the good news that even though we all as human beings are rebels against God, we uh, rebel against him every day of our lives and all the way down to the bottom of our hearts. But in spite of that, God in his love uh, uh, sent his son Jesus to become human and live the life we should have lived from the very beginning, die the death that we deserve for our sins, and then rise again so that by faith, if we are united to him, we can rise right along with him to newness of life and the hope of the resurrection. I love that, and I love the passage. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 15 that um, talks about Jesus uh, being crucified, buried, and on the third day he rose again. What a perfect description of the gospel. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, that's 15, I believe, t- 3 through 5 or something like that. So Paul says— Yeah, I couldn't find it fast enough. Yeah, here it is. This thing of first importance, right? This yes. This is what I delivered to yes. you and what you received, that Christ, died, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was raised— uh, uh, and then that he, he appeared to uh, Peter and then in the 12th. Yeah. Yeah. And then that it, it is on that which you believe and put your faith and trust in and cling to and rely upon and have allegiance to. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Faith is uh, faith means to trust, to rely. And so when you become a Christian, what you're saying is I have sized Jesus up. Right. I've considered his claims. I've considered uh, who he says he is and what he says he can do. And I think that's true. And therefore, I'm going to lean on it for salvation. I'm not going to lean on myself or my own good works. I'm going to lean on him and trust him to save me. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways in which people respond to this gospel message. I don't know what it was like for you, Greg, but I'd love to hear. For me, I think it was this kind of this rash of reason came over me. And I heard this and I thought, are you, what? Are you telling me that I can have assurance of my eternity? What? It's like, that's yeah. like the best news I've ever heard. Yeah, it's an incredible thing, isn't it? Just to, to be able to leave it in the hands of Jesus to do the work to save you and just realize, you know, not only, you know, can you not ever earn God's favor, but you, you've already forfeited it. Like you've already lost the game. So Jesus is the only one who can win it. So it's amazing to be able to leave it in his hands. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about uh, the, the way in which people understand they have been saved, uh, what do you most frequently hear from people? Because, you know, you, yeah, sometimes well, you hear people that say, well, I was raised in a Christian family. Well, yeah, yeah, that's cool, but what if you were raised in a Mormon family? Then you'd probably be a Mormon. Yeah, that's right. I mean, most human beings, I mean, every other human religion in, in the world, right, it, uh, it starts out with the premise that you have to earn your way into salvation one way or another. Uh, so maybe that's by doing good things. Maybe that's by you know, fulfilling the, the five pillars. Maybe that's by emptying your mind and, and ultimately getting rid of desires and making it onto nirvana. But whatever it is, the human heart is just hardwired to think that it has to earn its own salvation. 
So, Greg, I, I would love for you, too, to talk about uh, sin and how if we don't recognize ourselves as sinners, how are we ever going to understand the gospel? Well, you, you won't, right? I mean, it, the, the first step in understanding the good news of salvation through Jesus is understanding the bad news uh, <laughs> that we stand condemned as rebels before the judge of all the earth. So if, if that has never sort of made it into your consciousness, if you don't, if you don't have a sense of that, you're never, ever, ever going to understand why God sent his son uh, to die. It just, it just flat won't make sense until you have a, a strong felt doctrine of sin. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens to a person who feels uh, fairly independent from God most of their life, and all of a sudden something happens in their life? Maybe it's a pandemic, and they start to think, boy, my life could end any day. I could end up in a hospital in intensive yeah. care where my loved ones couldn't even visit me. And yeah. then what? Um, yeah, well, I mean, for, first of all, it's just a, it, it's a wonderful thing when uh, a person's eyes are opened and they realize, you know, whether all of a sudden or over a bit of time that this life is not all there is. You know, because what, what the devil wants to do and what our own sinful hearts want to do to us is put our eyes on the things of this world and just run out the clock on us. So it's a, it's a wonderful grace of God when he sort of takes the scales off our eyes and lets us see beyond ourselves, beyond this life into eternity. Um, and then when that happens, that's when people start seeking around for somebody uh, to answer their questions, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, if the Lord brings them into contact with somebody who understands the gospel of Jesus, uh, then the lights can start coming on real, real quickly. You know, it's been my observation, and this is just a personal thing, uh, with all the shutdown that's been going on, I realized that I like distractions, and there's lots of them out there. Yeah, yeah, huge. I mean, the world is just the world is just full of it. And in our our own day and age here at the you know beginning of the the twentieth century, there are more distractions than there have ever been before. I mean, every single one of us has a little distraction machine. Oh yeah, uh, almost surgically connected to our hands. You know? Oh right. And if you also think of just distractions that you consider legitimate ones like, well, I've had a long day. I think I might spend two hours watching a baseball game tonight. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And you realize yeah, that well, it's a distraction. It's entertainment. It might be uh, relaxing, but it's still a distraction. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the Bible is pretty clear with us that there's there's nothing wrong with, with rest and with taking a break or watching a, ba- a baseball game or if, if those were even happening these days. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, but you can certainly turn that into an idol. You can turn it into a... a uh, something more than just a, a godly kind of rest. It can become, like you say, a distraction, uh, a waste of time, and ultimately a waste of, of life if it goes too far. Yeah, so always keep the main thing the main thing, and then when you've uh, obviously take time for entertainment and, and for recreation and things that uh, help you unwind a little bit, and just keep, yeah, them in pers- keep them in a perspective. Yeah, I, think so. yeah I, love, I love sports. I love the watching Louisville Cardinals football and basketball and baseball, all of it. I, I love it. So this, uh, this pandemic thing with no sports is about to kill me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm just kind of craving uh, turning on the TV and watching a good game. <laughs> the marble racing and all that on ESPN isn't, isn't quite doing it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But uh, I, love, uh, I love sports. So um, once we understand the gospel message and we understand that we are sinners in need of salvation— then we start to start our, our journey, our sanctification journey of living out our faith. And I know just hosting a radio show that I hear from people all the time, Greg, that say, yeah, but maybe 
even though I'm a Christian, maybe I've messed up enough that God doesn't like me anymore or doesn't have me on his A-list anymore. Yeah, I, you know, I think there can be a lot of causes for that kind of that kind of thought. I one of the main causes of that though is that uh, uh, there is there there's still remaining in us uh, even after we become Christians a tendency for us to subtly shift our faith from Jesus to self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of uh, looking at the the fruits of sanctification rightly and in a biblical way, we we make certain mistakes looking at those fruits and fruits and looking for those fruits. Um, and as our faith begins to shift a little bit back towards self and back toward pride, um, we can find our assurance weakening. I, w- because, I find that all the true. Reason, the, yes. The reason for that, of course, is because, because if we're looking for, uh, if we're trying to find assurance by looking at ourselves, we're not going to find it because we are by nature wishy-washy and, and, you know, double-minded and, and half-hearted and all the rest of it. And that doesn't, that doesn't change after we become a Christian. So if we're trying to trying to build a house on the shifting sands of of our own devotion to Jesus and obedience to Jesus and you know completely pure motives and all the rest of it, we're not going to find anywhere to build the house and it's going to collapse. So just like our salvation is built on the rock of Jesus, our assurance of salvation has to be built on that rock as well. Mm-hmm. And then just tell our listeners again. I know in in your book, what is the gospel? You you do talk about Jesus Christ the Savior, and I, I just I love that because that's that's what He does. He saves us from eternal damnation. He spares us from separation. He gives us life and abundant life. And I just love talking about Jesus Christ the Savior. I bet you do too. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I spent spent the better part of my life talking about talking about Jesus week in and week out. Yeah, it's just it's an amazing thing that that he did, right? To step down from from the throne of heaven to give up the the adulation of the the angels and take on uh, uh, humanity, become a human, you know, irrevocably. It's not like Jesus, you know, just put on human skin and he can take it off when the job's done. No, he is human. The second person of the eternal Trinity is human. That's incredible. It's amazing. Um, and uh, you know, uh, live and die and then rise in order to save us. It's it's the most epic, beautiful story. Uh, and reality that, that has ever happened in the history of the world. Yeah, it is. Um, when you think about it, it overwhelms. It overwhelms me when I think about it. When you yeah. read Genesis and you start to think of the ways in which God created the heavens and the earth and put the stars and the sun and the sky and the moon, and you go just like it says in Psalms, "What is man that you think of him? Mere man that you care for him?" And yet He did to the point where He left that elite status of heaven and came and became flesh and died for our sins. Yeah, so amazing. I mean, you just, you, you're not surprised when you see Paul several times in his letters break out into uh, praise, you know, oh, the depth of the riches of the mercies, of the, you know, all the, I don't have it memorized, but you, you know what I'm talking about at the end of Romans 11. Right. Paul, Paul worships and praises, and that's exactly the right response. Greg, let me take a little break. Uh, Greg Gilbert is the senior pastor of Third Avenue Baptist Church in Louisville. Did I say that right this time? You're getting closer. We'll work on it. Thank you. I appreciate you being patient with me. (laughs) You know that place in Kentucky. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. So glad to be talking to Greg Gilbert. He is the senior pastor of Third Avenue Baptist Church in a very popular town in Kentucky. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Author of many books, uh, What is the Gospel? Well, the one we were just chatting about has sold a whole bunch of copies, and for good reason. He's a good, clear thinker and writer. And there's another book that he put out, um, I think it was last year in 2019, called Assured, Discover Grace, Let Go of Guilt, and Rest in Your Salvation. And to be honest, Greg, I want to hear a little bit about each one. Discover Grace, Let Go of Guilt, and Rest in Your Salvation. Yeah. Well, see, the, the Discover Grace part, I, it, it's not that Christians don't know what grace is, right? We, we, build, our, we build our lives on the, on the idea of grace. The gospel is about grace. I think subtly what happens over time, though, is that a lot of Christians are perfectly happy to say that they were saved by grace. But then, then when it comes to remaining saved or, or being sure that God is really going to save us or being sure that we really are saved, the focus shifts subtly away from grace and onto works. And so what we get when it comes to our sense of, you know, am I really saved? My sense of assurance is that a kind of assurance by works, sort of like salvation by works, but it's assurance by works. It sort of slips in the back door. Um, and we're perfectly happy to say, yep, salvation is by grace. Uh, but, but in order to get a sense of assurance, what I need to do is look at my works to nail that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't think at all that that's, what, that that's what the Bible says we ought to do. Well, okay, having said that, talk about what, um, what works does going forward once you're saved. I works is not the right word I was looking for, but I don't have to do acts of service. I get to. Yeah, well, and the Bible says Jesus Himself says, and you know, other places in the in the New Testament say it too, that good works are the fruit of a good root, right? Mm, the root yep. being the root being our our salvation, our saved heart, right? And what happens is that once you're saved, and once once Jesus's resurrection life begins to course through you and change things, well, the the tree that's you get healthier, and you start to produce healthier fruit. Um, and it's good to see that, right? I mean, you can you can see that fruit uh, on the tree, and and that can give you a sense that wow, this you know there there is resurrection life flowing through me. The Holy Spirit is is working in me. I, I think the trouble though is that a lot of Christians will will treat those good works not as a kind of uh, uh, it's almost like it, you can use an analogy of a car. That's what I do in the book. Um, in a car. The speedometer doesn't make the car go faster, right? Uh, the speedometer just reflects whether the car is going and how fast it's going. Well, our good works do have the same function when it comes to our assurance. Uh, you can look at the good works and you can say, ah, the car seems to be moving, right? I seem mm-hmm. to be, the Holy Spirit seems to be working in me. But if you notice that the speedometer is not as high as you want it to be, there aren't as many good works as you want, you can't just sort of reach up and push the needle on the speedometer higher and expect the car to go faster. In other words, you can't just start doing a bunch of good things and not doing a bunch of bad things and expect your sense of assurance to, to increase. That's not how it works. What works is putting your foot on the accelerator, right? Mm-hmm. And what's the accelerator once you drop the analogy when we're talking about assurance? Well, the accelerator would be to, to spend time deepening your understanding and appreciation of and love for the gospel of Jesus and the promises of God. So as you meditate on, on those and as you think through those, what you find is that the car starts going faster. You, 
you understand that God's promises are irrevocable and the gospel is beautiful and it is an invitation to you that you have accepted and that Jesus will keep those promises. And, and that makes you deepen in spirituality and love for Jesus, love for God. And then what happens is that the fruit starts to pop out, right? The speedometer reflects that spiritual growth that's going on in your heart. But it is not just a matter of uh, doing more good things and doing less bad things. I mean, that would be like to go out into a, a, the yard and find an unhealthy apple tree and think that the way to fix that tree is to just start duct taping apples up on the branches. <laughs> you can't do that. You mm -hmm. have to, if you want the tree to get healthier, you have to tend to the root, right? You have to go right to the root, right to the promises of God and, and the gospel of Jesus. Mm. Let's talk about uh, letting go of guilt. And for starters, I'd love for you to answer, what do you mean by guilt? What is, what is guilt? Yeah, well, I mean, guilt is a, guilt is a forensic term, right? So Yeah, I mean, what are you guilty that, about? Pri primarily, it's, it's, a, it's a judicial declaration from God that you, gotcha. you are condemned, right? You have committed sin and rebellion mm. against God, against the Creator, and you are therefore guilty. Um, but we also have a sense of, of, of guilt that is a feeling in our own hearts of, of being aware of that forensic guilt recognizing it and feeling bad for it. That's what, that's what it is. The reason that, the reason I say they're let go of, of guilt is that it's, it is so insidious, but I think a lot of Christians actually think that the longer and deeper they feel bad about their sins, the more they're going to earn God's favor because he'll see how bad they feel about their sins. And, and I, I, I think what the Bible would say, actually, is, is that what we ought to do with our sin is not hang on to it and feel bad about it for as long as, and deep as possible, but we ought to see our sin, recognize it, condemn it, take it to Jesus, find forgiveness, and then get on with our lives as Christians, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what, I mean by, that's what I mean by let go of guilt. I just mean you're not earning anything. You're not winning anything by sitting around wallowing in your bad feeling about, about your sin. It's good to feel bad about sin, but then it's good to really, really quickly turn, declare war on that sin again, but take it to Jesus, find forgiveness, and get on with life. Mm -hmm. What if you sinned against me, and I always seem to have a way of bringing it up every time I see you? Yeah. Stop you taking my calls. A, you and I are going to have to have a lot of conversations, I think, about it. Yeah. But I mean, there's certainly sins that have been committed in relationships where it's hard to let it go. Oh, that's right. There yeah, could be course. abuse. There could be things, infidelity, where where it's it's like, yeah, yeah you've let go of your guilt because God has forgiven you, but maybe other people haven't. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very true. So, you, you know, there will be consequences for sin and, you know, forgiveness has to kind of interface with that and interact with, with it and... Somebody who's been who's been sinned against, um, I think, can f forgive and yet still not forget. And sometimes it's not even wise to forget sin that's been committed against you. I think at its root, forgiveness is a matter of uh, ho hoping, right? Well, first knowing that justice cries out for that sin to be punished, mm -hmm. and then forgiveness is is to is to genuinely get to the point in your heart where you can hope that justice and wrath are poured out on that sin in the face of Jesus Christ as he dies on the cross and not against that person. I think, I think ultimately that's what forgiveness amounts to. So it's, it's not a, forgiveness is not a setting aside of the desire for justice. It, justice is a good thing and we should want it. We should want God to pour out wrath against, against sin. Forgiveness though says, 
you know, I, I have come to the place where I hope that that wrath is poured out on your sin, but in the person of Jesus dying on the cross and not you. Mm. I like that. So, Greg, talk about resting in your salvation as well. It's another piece of this I want to learn more about from you. Yeah, well, you know, if, uh, uh, if, you, know, if you know deeply what the gospel of Jesus is, um, it calls us to rest. It calls us to, to, to lay, down the, lay down the sword and let Jesus pick it up for us, uh, rather than continuing to try to earn the favor of God. Um, you know, and the, the, the core sort of, you know, baseline for the coming in of the, the good news about Jesus is that you, you've already lost that war. You lost that battle a long time ago. Um, and you can, keep, you can keep fighting it, but you're going to continue to lose it. And at the end, you're going to be told that you have lost, or you can, you can rest. Uh, you can you can lay down the sword, let Jesus fight the battle for you, uh, and let Him save you. You know, there's so many great passages in Scripture. Um, I love Exodus fourteen fourteen. The Lord will fight for you. All you need is to be still. And I think of the ways in which God will fight for you. Uh, there's a conflict and always a struggle for many people, including myself, to want to um, figure out a way to to produce an outcome. Oh yeah, that's just hardwired into the yeah. <laughs> into the human psyche. But you know, I mean, the whole story of the the Old Testament is is about how the Messiah, uh, his very job is to fight the battles of his people, the battles that his people can't win. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, even when you start to get a, a first look at uh, uh, at the King of Israel, David, you know, he, he, the first thing he's doing is sort of proving that he is the guy God has chosen to be king. Because he, he picks up the sword and he goes out and he fights Goliath on behalf of the people while Saul, the pretender king, you know, is, is hiding under a, a basket or whatever he was doing yeah. at the cowering and not fighting his people's battles. So what, you know, what, what the Lord was teaching his people there was that the job of the Messiah is to fight battles that you can't fight for yourself, which, of course, goes back to Eden, right? Because, because Adam should have crushed the head of the serpent when, when the serpent invited him to join his rebellion against God. But instead of crushing the head of the serpent, Adam joined the rebellion, the world falls. But the very f- first promise of gospel that God makes to him is, I'm going to send somebody else, and he's going to do what you failed to do. He's going he's to crush the head of the serpent. And then that's what Jesus does. Yeah, it's just a fantastic story. I don't think I ever, ever get tired of hearing it, ever. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I, I, and the, and the, deeper, the deeper you go into it, the more uh, riches you, you, you see to pull out of it. Yeah. So uh, what is your most current project and what can we look forward to? Oh, most current project. I am working on a book that is, uh, it's tentatively called Broken. I'm not, I, we'll have to think about that title a little bit, but yeah. it's essentially going to be a, 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 doc, a doctrine of sin, an evangelical doctrine of sin. The only reason I don't, I'm, I'm not crazy about that title. Maybe we can clean it up a bit in the subtitle. Uh, is just that uh, sin is not just the fact that we are broken as if it was a passive thing. Right. You know, it's that, it's that we rebelled, right? So maybe, maybe we'll call it something more like rebellion or something. But mm-hmm. at any rate, that'll be the next book. It, it's not going to be out for a long while. Yeah, so. but I love the fact that that's a subject you're, you're going after and uh, talking about and writing about. I think that we don't talk about sin enough. I try to talk about it on the show all the time because we need to be mindful of the fact that we are sinners that needed a Savior, and apart from being saved, we will perish and have an, a Christless eternity. And that message is, needs to be told every day. So true. Every day, every hour. So, Greg, thank you so much for uh, taking time 
out of your busy schedule to uh, do the show today. Yeah, thanks, Bill. It's really good to, to you know, quote unquote, meet you. This, this is about as good as anybody can do these days, though. It is. I know. I, I would love to meet you in person, but... Yeah. Well, yeah, come on come on down to Louisville sometime and we'll, we'll make that happen. Where is that again? Say it, <laughs> you, you say say it. it again? <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> Louisville, yeah. I don't know why I freak out every time I try to say that. But Greg, thank you so much and I look forward to your next project coming out. I'll... Uh, Love to have you back on the show. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me. You bet. Greg Gilbert has been my guest. He's senior pastor of Third Avenue Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And he's the author of uh, What is the Gospel? And Assured, Discover Grace, Let Go of Guilt, and Rest in Your Salvation, and many other books as well. He's also a regular contributor at thegospelcoalition.org. You can go check him out there. I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you missed any, you can head to myfaithradio.com. Check it out. Thank you for being such faithful listeners and supporters. It is time to ring the bell. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.